Say this with me today. I speak freedom. And I have freedom. Say it again today. I speak freedom. And I have freedom. One more time. Today, I speak freedom. And I have freedom. One more time. Today, I speak freedom. Come on, give him a shout. sit there on your couch and read your Bible and the things that were wrong still plague you. You can read 20 chapters and the things that were wrong are still hounding you. But the moment that you open your mouth and you begin to say what you're reading, and you begin to declare what you're reading, and you begin to praise the one that you're reading about. See, some people will just say, well, you know, I'm just reading my Bible, Pastor. I've been reading my Bible, and and nothing's changing. Let me tell you, nothing will change until you start saying what the Bible says and declaring what the Bible is telling you. Come on, any believers in this room? That's why theologians, for the most part, will never see the kingdom of God. They'll never see the demonstration of the power of God. Because all they do is read it and study it. But the moment that you speak it, the moment that you put it to work, everything begins to change. I declare April is gonna be the greatest month of this year. I don't know if some of you believe it, because you've been so under it. Let me tell you this. Would you hear this? Today you'll hear of the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. A story running from Mark chapter 10, 17, all the way through to Mark 11. You know right there they say location, location, location. But in the church it's context, context, context. And contextually today, we're going to see the story play out before us as we read Scripture. But playing a part of this triumphal entry was just not the disciples, but was a cult that was tied up in a stall. Didn't know anything yet. No one had ever ridden it. It hadn't been broken, but yet, it 
didn't realize that it had been chosen. You see, that donkey just didn't make its way out to Jesus. And yet it could have. Angels could have manifested and led that donkey. Save the disciples any work at all. But yet just in this one portion of scripture, Jesus taught us a very powerful lesson. That he will use people to bring freedom. See, sometimes we can be likened to a stubborn donkey that has never been ridden before. We don't know what it's like for someone to sit on us. We don't even know if our legs can carry the weight of someone. But Jesus knew the very one that he wanted to carry him. And yet the one that was to carry him was still bound with the rope until someone came tied it, delivered it, and brought it to the Messiah. You know, today, you're in the place that you may feel like you're so tied up. You may feel that you are so bound with ropes. You may feel that you are so unnoticed, and you may feel that because of your stubbornness and because of your immaturity that God could never use you. But God didn't ask for one of the great horses and stallions of the Romans. God didn't ask for what looked like what the king should ride on. didn't ask for the experienced dunking. He asked for one that didn't even really know it was a donkey. Didn't even know what his purpose was for. Just tied up. In some translation, it says, untie it and bring it to me. Today, I'm not calling you a donkey. I'm not calling you a stubborn mule. But I'm untying you. I'm untying you from every rope from every snare, from every spirit of disappointment, disillusionment, from everything that would try to hold you bound, from everything that would try to hold you tied up. We untie you, we loose you from the thoughts of inadequacy, inferiority. You see, that donkey couldn't compete with the horses, couldn't compete with the beauty 
of the stallions that the Romans rode on. But Jesus didn't come to compete. He came. Because when he showed up, competition left the room. You see, today you carry the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Today you were born to carry Jesus. Today you were born to carry the Spirit of the living God. He said, I will come to them and make my home in them. You see, you're more than what the enemy has told you you are. You're more than what your father was, that your grandfather was. You are a work in progress. And you may feel like nothing is ever happening. And you may feel like you are more bound than what you've ever been. But I'm telling you, you came to the right place. And the sun sets free is free indeed. And God has a plan for you. I want you to shout it out. God has a plan for me. Come on, say it like you mean it. God has a plan for me. So you may feel that you were born into a lowly family. You weren't born into great stature. But you see, when Jesus gets started and he gets going, it doesn't matter how you start. It's how you finish. It doesn't matter how you start. It's that when he sends people to untie you, you begin the process of the realization of your purpose. And the donkey that day got a starring role to carry the Messiah into Jerusalem. I don't know what happened to Donkey after that day, do you? But he got one shot, one day, and he was chosen to carry the king along his journey. Lift your hands with me. See, I know there's people in this room and you're like, I don't know what's going on. I feel like I'm the one that's left in the stall. I feel like every other beautiful stallion, horse, mare is being used. Why not me? But Jesus is the master of knowing who the Father has chosen. And just when you feel like you're the one that's been left out, God shows up and says, Today, I have need of you. That donkey knew nothing. But yet, forever that donkey has been remembered as the one who carried the Christ on the journey to his death, burial, and resurrection. 
today as we come to pray. I want a revelation to hit your heart so hard that God is not finished with you, that God has not even started yet with you, and that today He's untying you, He's freeing you, He's setting you free. And you may not feel the best, look the best, feel like you have the goods, God knows. God knows. Begin to pray with me in the Spirit. All over this room, God knows. The sense of His Spirit in this room, the sense of His presence. Come on, begin to step up, up a little bit with the Atomaya. Kambala Vedasolo Manche Levar Kabesolo Mambrias. Come on, there's a plan. Come on, there's a future. Come on, there's a destiny. There's a way, there's a path. something very powerful in someone's life. You desperately needed to hear that. Because you feel like you're being continually overlooked. Whether that's in life, workplace, kingdom but know this is the spirit that no matter how long this takes opportunity stands at the door and knocks 
be ready to hear the sound of an invitation to the day of his necessity for your life and for what you have been ordained through the ages of time to fulfill in the great plan of eternity. Time is running out, Pastor. No, 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 no. Time is running out for the world, not for the church. So never allow the enemy ever to hit you again by time, by age. tonight but it's on me right now is this okay with everybody I take authority over Ishmael's the work of impatience to produce the plan at any cost. Through faith and patience, I hear the Spirit say, we'll produce the promise and illuminate my way hallelujah come on we lose the promise today we take authority over Ishmael's of any kind stay in our spirits and out of our minds to walk the road that God has made <laughs> my heart is fixed my heart is stayed on the purpose of my life to the glory of the King his name and glorify his name 
Come on, family, this worship. Sombria mambria mambrovo. Sindala mia kluva malatamalaya soloratei. And still, says the Spirit of the Lord, even though I have presented my will and testament to those who are called by my name, still today, my people want to trust in horses and trust in chariots instead of me. But opportunity day after day is presented for my people to put their trust in me. Ki prosentangans sapani kalas sefenkenaya etiolumorte beakasanastu. Broken, broken are the plans of man. So don't follow them. Choose my spirit if you can. Look away from all the things that distract and watch me, watch me as I act in the way that only I can do. Oh, it's time. It's time for me to be seen through you. So don't look to the political systems of this world. Things are shaking, shaking, shaking. You have been delivered. And know that beyond this time and beyond this hour, there's a world, a world that stands ready. So don't spend your time on things you cannot change and work with me. Yes, 
His power is in this room. His power is in this room. His power is in this room. Receive it now. Receive it now. Receive it. I take authority over distractions, seductions, deceptions, time-wasting endeavors in the name of Jesus. Babylonian spirits in the name of Jesus. We take authority over that mindset that we can build a tower that can reach to heaven. We yield to the ways of the Spirit. Sierra Bainish, take the hand of the person beside you. Begin to pray right now. Something's happening. Something's happening. Come on, if you're visiting today, welcome to church. Oh, something's happening.
this nation to change, then welcome to church. Have you noticed that this church has, this nation has not got better because of mega churches? Just because our churches are large, it didn't stop the tide from crashing in. A large church is not what will change. A praying church is what will change. A pretty church won't change it. A cute church won't change it. One service a week, forgive me, but I make no apology for it, will never change America. When you don't have time for any more than just a two-hour service, then you don't have time. to save America. When you spend all your time working and all your time on yourself and all your time on other things and you give God the leftovers of your week, you give Him 15 minutes of your day and you still expect to live in a righteous nation. Who are you speaking to? Whoever will hear me. It's not going to change at the voting booth. You have to understand it. The voting system is broken. is when the church realizes that we have access to the throne of heaven and that we can plead on behalf of the saints and we can pray for this world and this world will change because of our prayers. I am so tired of hearing about political this and political that and political the other thing. And Jesus told the disciples all the time, even with a triumphal entry, they thought he was going to overpower the Romans. He thought he was, they thought he was going to subdue them. That triumphal entry. He th they thought that day, my God, we've got it. We're going to take over the Romans. And we're going to put him in as king of Jerusalem. But Jesus said, you do not understand. I'm not here to take over Romans. I'm here to do the will of my father. I love this nation. I fly its flag from my house every single day of every year. I'm so blessed to be an American. I'm so blessed that God brought me to this country. But ladies and gentlemen, unless the church turns and repents,
This nation is going to end up fractured and destroyed because of principalities and powers. And you can play the political card all you want. And this may not be popular, but as your pastor, I have your best interest at heart. Unless you rule and reign from the heavens. And you have learned to access the plan and purpose of God. And you have learned the ways of the Spirit to pray in the Spirit, by the Spirit. And unfortunately, you will have to buy into something that will play to your preference. There are spirits at work. How many people understand this? Wave at me right now if you understand this. There are spirits at work. There's more to be voted about on Tuesday. Please go see the table today. But here this morning, we're here to pray. And I can't talk about this. You can't lie up in your lazy bed. There's people watching me right now. You should have been in church. But you can't even make it to church. And you expect that you're going to see a nation changed? We've been so doped. This is not about vaccines. This is about unbelief. Oh, only a few of you clap, but I don't care. This is about unbelief. Because if we really believed, any believers in this room today, if we really believed, we'd be on the streets. If we really believed, we would be on our knees. If we really believed, I wouldn't have to ask you to lift your hands. If we really believed, I wouldn't have to ask you to praise. But you see, spirits are so on the loose and they're rampage. And they're looking to destroy. They're looking to maim. They're looking to take away hope. They're looking to take away all sense of expectation. Everything that's going on in the world wants to make the church not pray by the Spirit, but pray in despair. When you look at who we have as a president, it wants to make you despair. But our hope is not in a president. Our hope is in the living God. I'm going to say it again. Our hope is in the living God. You may take your seats this morning. I want to minister to you. Musicians, if you can stay with me, I would be obliged. Thank you. I don't believe I belong this morning, but just long enough. I would like you to go to Ephesians 6. Anybody glad you came to church? I can't hold it back. 
I sense a tidal wave. I sense such a power and a force within me. I sense such utterance, and I know just like Jesus, people will be somewhat offended. I can't keep making an apology for your bondage. In verse 18 in Ephesians 6, it says this, pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty. To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. And look at verse 19. Are, are you reading with me? Are you in your Bible? Because you need to see this yourself. Go on your phones. Do something. Do you still bring your Bible to church? Wave those Bibles at me. In verse 19, it says this, and pray. This is the Apostle Paul. And it says, and pray also for me that freedom of utterance may be given me. How many people know that freedom of utterance is in this room today? Wave out me if you understand that. I worked so hard for this morning's service. I slept two hours and got up and lay on the couch. I'm troubled. I'm not troubled at the state of America more than what I'm troubled at the state of the church. This church started in power. This church started with people wanting God and wanting prayer and wanting to pray together. And we must not let it become anything else. Get it, we're busy. And Paul said, pray for me, that freedom of utterance may be given me, and that I may open my mouth to proclaim boldly the mystery of the good news, for which I am an ambassador in coupling chains in prison. Where? Did it say in prison? Was the Apostle Paul put in prison? You're not. But some of you are spiritually. Maybe not so much this church. Maybe it's the church down the street. But nevertheless, I can't hold this back. It's like a fire hose in my belly. Because I hear prayers being prayed by people. Oh, change this and change that and touch me and touch them and bless me and bless them. And yet, the power of the universe 
has been placed within us. Everything that he is, we have become. Created in his image, not diminished, but created in his image, in his likeness. He created us, male, female. Every time you beat that drum, a shockwave goes through the spirit world. It's just not a man playing a drum. It's a son of God that has taken up sticks and begins to beat cymbals, begins to beat drums, begins to take his foot and begins to beat. And shockwaves go through an unseen realm because a son of God is making a sound. We don't sing just because we just come to entertain the crowd. We sing because the very sounds that come out of our spirit are now working with realms that we do not know. And yes, we're operating on the earth, but from heaven. We are shifting things, changing things every time you play that guitar, every time you bang on that bass guitar, every time you play a riff and all of those shreds, whatever you want to do, something is happening. We're not trying to have a worship service. We are a worship service. I'm going to say it again. We're not trying to have a worship service. We are a worship service. We're not trying to be worshipers. We are worshipers. We're not trying to be prayers. We are prayers. Shout it out. I have the victory. I've told people for years that the way the saints prayed in China will be the way that the saints in America and in the Western world will have to pray before the rapture ever comes. They would pray for hours on their knees until their kneecaps would be bare and the blood would be running and the stains of the blood would not be able to be cleaned off the floors that they would pray on. You think, America, that you can just get by with a limp-hearted prayer and just confessing just a little bit of Scripture? You think that this nation is going to hold fast its purpose and its plan that I have set in courts and it's going to be done just with a little prayer? God bless America. Lift your hands and shout, a change is coming. And the church world is so full of pride, still so still into its own call, my call. I've got a call. I've got my ministry. I've got my 501c3. I've got this, that, and the other thing. And still, what are you doing with it? Still getting the victory over yourself. But what time ever happens, what time ever comes that we actually get the victory? Shout it out, I have the victory. Say it again. I have the victory. Come on. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Oh, I'm not feeling too good. I sometimes don't feel too good either. But you know what? The call. I'm going to say it again. The call. Sometimes I want to lie in bed, but the call. Sometimes I don't want to do it on a Monday morning, but you know what? The call. Sometimes I want to disappear. Sometimes I just want to build my own thing. And it's easy for traveling ministries to build their own thing with everybody else's people from churches. 
But it's a very different thing to build a local church and then to build a local church that desires to move with the Spirit of God. Any people in this room desire to move with the Spirit of God? Come on, I know you're going to lift your hands, but say it, I believe that greater days are right up ahead of me. You can grow your ministry all you want, sister. You can grow your ministry all you want, brother. But I'm telling you, what are you growing it for? Are you growing it to the glory of God? Are you growing it at the expense of the local church? Or do you still believe in the local church? Shut it out. I believe in the local church. How many people believe that God has a plan for Tulsa? I'm seeing you wave at me from the back. God has got a plan for Tulsa. How many people believe he's got a plan for Oklahoma? Wave at me. How many people believe we need all the help we can get? Wave at me right now. Come on, shut it out. Come on, I'm ready in the name of Jesus. Come on, say it. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to see the plan and the purpose of God. I'm ready to be that donkey. I'm ready to do whatever it needs to be done. And if that means just catching somebody that wants to fall out in the power of the Spirit, then I'm willing to do that for the rest of my life. But I'm telling you, God has a plan. Shut it out. God has a plan. You said, oh, pastor, I like you nicer than this here. I am nice. I love you all. I'm telling you with all my heart, but I'm telling there's something going on. How many people knows there's something going on? And you can call it conspiracy all you want and all you want and talk about all you want and talk about all your theories. But I can tell you this, that I have a Bible and the Bible tells me that in the end of days, things will not be good. The Bible tells me it will be perilous times. The Bible tells me it'll be nation against nation brother against brother it tells me things won't be good so I'm not here to mess with the little sideshow I'm here to work at eternal affairs and eternal matters and I remember in prayer years ago prophesying America has a king and his name is Jesus in other words, I prophesied that men and women have to get their eyes up higher. What are we going to do now, Pastor? You know, they're indicting Trump. They're this, they're that, the other thing. Why does it change for us? It doesn't change for the church because of the things that happen. Uh, you're not hearing me. No, it's oh my God. Here, let's just get the prayer chains going. Come on, free Trump, free Trump, free Trump. But the prayer a week ago should have been as intense as it is now. Why does it always need a crisis to get people mobilized? How many people read your Bible? Let me, sh 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 come on. How many people ever read the book of Daniel? Wave at me. How many people ever saw that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego actually went into the fire? Wave at me. They weren't cotton candied. They weren't fluffy things happening to them. It was a real moment they were put in the fire. But they were put in the fire, and who else was in the fire with them? I said, who else was in the fire with him? 
shout it out, Jesus is with me too. No matter how hot this thing gets, no matter how big the fire gets, Jesus is with us every step of the way. And you cannot deny that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were put in the fire. Joseph was lied about, imprisoned, had a sexual accusation made against him. You know, you got to know even in 2023 that anyone that has a sexual allegation against them, you have to understand it's not going to be too good for you after that. No matter how innocent you are, the moment mud starts to fly, even if you're innocent, revelation is you have the victory. And the, the revelation is this, that you must look higher than the White House. I know this is hard, but I tell you, I believe we have a church that we can preach it. The whole way up. Mark chapter 10, the whole way up from verse 17, it says Jesus went on a journey the whole way up through Bethany, the whole way up through Jericho, the whole way up to Jerusalem. Jesus had debates and he had dialogue with his disciples. And the whole way up, it says that they were afraid, they were astonished. If they could have changed everything, they would have changed it. But the truth of the revelation was that Jesus was going up to the city to die. I pray over you. Lift your hands. I pray over each and every one of you that a revelation of the Christ in this Easter, this resurrection time shall hit you like a fire in your bellies like you've never had before and you realize the very reason for your existence, that you are not here for the cause of some political party, even though that is amazing. You are here for a greater call. You are here for a greater purpose. You are here because of an anointing that was put upon you, Jesus the Christ the son of the living God and he empowered you with his spirit so that you could be his hands and feet and so that you could be his mouthpiece everywhere that you go he would and instead of you being the oppressed you would be what? you would be the ones that would have dominion and you would take authority and your words would have power and your words would have fight and your words whether they offended people or not would have life and they would have light and they would bring healing and they would bring rightness and they would bring righteousness you are sent by God and you are here for a time like this you must understand you say why are you shouting because I can't do anything else some of you would have had trouble with John the Baptist 
Please, John, turn it down. Don't shout so much. Why are you shouting all the time? Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Can't you just be nice? Can't you shower and put on cologne? Why did John have to be so weird? Pastor, I was wondering the same about you. Why do you have to be so weird? We want to be part of this church, but man, you, you, you preach it so hard. If I was sitting where you were sitting and my preacher was preaching like this, I would be on my feet saying, that's my pastor, that's my man of God, that's the one that I'm backing, that's the one that I'm getting behind in the name of Jesus. You don't want a mealy mouth preacher. You may take your seats. Those who didn't stand, stand. Because some of you, all you want to do is build your thing. And it's hard for you to keep serving somebody else's. But this is not mine. I would never have come to Tulsa if this was mine. Hawaii, maybe. How many people gets me? And I know some of you are like Tulsa diehards, forgive me. But days like Friday when you see orange right across Tulsa and you can hardly breathe because of the dust in the air, Hawaii's looking good. You think I came here to lift myself up? You think I came here to build my ministry in Tulsa, Oklahoma? You think I came here with all the great works that already exist here that I would even have the audacity to camp in the backyards of what God has done through some of these amazing works? You have misread me and you misunderstand me. Because I'm not here to build another what has been. That's a good place to clap. I'm not here to build another what has been. I'm not here to have just a little worship service so that I can go home and say, wow, didn't we all feel heaven tonight? There is a mobilization and an activation that is going on. And you still want your 10-point sermon. You still want it your way. You still can't have it any other way except your way. Well, you're going to end up so frustrated and so disappointed. Because if I'd have done it my way, it wouldn't have been like this. I'm much smarter than that. We're laughing, but it's the truth. I would not have capped my living to a church salary if I was building Paul's thing. You do know that me speaking this like this could affect my standard of lifestyle. The great thing about me being what I am and doing what I am, I'm not trying to get your business. 
I'm just here simply trying to be obedient. And if you have a problem with that, it's not mine. But you don't want to be under a preacher and sitting in a church that's just tiddlywinking right now. You don't want to be part of something and, and just, you know, just living your old lazy life. And everybody's saying it's okay to do it. And it's not okay to do it. God brought you here. And God brought you here for a reason. And people come to me all the time and say, I got a call, I got to this, and I got to go, and I got to do this, and I got to do the other thing. And I will always say to every person that tells me that, if God has said, then I will never stand in your way. And I watch more than half of them go. And I know in my heart of hearts that what they want has taken them out the door instead of sowing to the greater and bringing more for everybody. See, prayer is the only thing that's going to do. But not always praying about what's in your mind. we got to bypass that now. Jesus going up to forgive me guys but I need you there just in case the wheels come off <laughs> Jesus going up to Jerusalem you can only imagine what he's going through he's been spending all this time with the father and now the disciples have the great honor to go with him listen to me the disciples have the great honor now to go with him on this pilgrimage, these last few days, this last journey. And two of the 12, oh, we don't talk much about them, but all they have on their mind is not Jesus. It's them. Because the two brothers... They thought they'd get their spoken before the wheels really did come off and Jesus maybe did die. I said, Jesus, can we sit at your right hand and the other at the left? I mean, can you guarantee me position? Because if everything's about to change, you know, I'm just getting my spoken. I love you. I give up everything for you. How do we know that? Because in Mark chapter 10, when you're reading from verse 17 right up into Mark 11, you'll see that that is that classic where the rich man came and Jesus began to speak because he knew that he would have needed a replacement for Judas. And he gave the rich man every opportunity to become his disciple. And basically, what he said to the rich man was this, there can be nothing before me. But you see, we all get tied up in the riches of the thing. Well, the disciples told us they were astonished. And then Peter, he says something like, well, then how can anybody get into heaven? And then he launches into the infamous 
Lord, I have given up everything for you. Everything, everything. I have everything. And all this is going on, and Jesus knows. in these closing days Jesus is still having to deal with stuff he should never have had to deal with but it is classic because even 2,000 years later Jesus is still having to deal with stuff in our lives that we should never have had for him to deal with. So nothing has changed from his departure to his coming again. Because we're still into trying to figure out the money thing. We're still trying to figure out our call, our positioning, our purpose. We still want the top place. In the closing hours, then Jesus, before he gets to Jerusalem, has to launch into the greatest of all is the servant of all. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What manner of man is this? Everything is upside down and back to front with him. Isn't it wild? Yet we want a Jesus that we have conjured up in our mind that we can serve within our parameters. Oh, I know. I know this should have been a real stomping service today. I know this should have been a real crowd pleaser and crowd teaser. Should have been a meeting that would have possibly brought new people into the church. Well, maybe it just is. Maybe it just is. When I spent 14 years in the police force in Northern Ireland, I need you to listen to me, please. It wasn't normal policing. six counties in the north of Ireland that were under the crown of England. The policing was anti-terrorism. Yes, people were employed domestically to deal with domestic situations, but for the most part of what I did through my time in the job was all in units that combated riots, terrorism, all of these different things. So therefore, there was training that was given to us to deal with these certain things. I need you to listen to me. Because if you never give me another shot, I pray that this is embedded 
so deep in your spirit that you will never forget it. The church, you see, wants to just deal constantly with domestic situations. Many of the church have never donned a uniform, have never went to war, and thank God for all those who have served this country militarily. Give the Lord praise and honor and glory. Come on, let's encourage them. But I get it. If you've never done that, if you've never been to the front line, if you've never put on a uniform, then it's very hard for you to understand what it's like. Because you're not wired that way. You're not wired that you're under threat constantly, as we were, as my family was. When Karen married me, she married the threat. In other words, every day of her life, she too then was a target of terrorism. This was our life. We had to watch certain things. We couldn't go certain places. People laugh at me today because they say, what route is Pastor Paul taking? Because he never takes the same route twice. It's so embedded in me to constantly change my directions, my travel, to never set up patterns to give the enemy an easy pickings of me or my family. And it so translates. I remember one day in the shooting range, my instructor, I'm telling you, he was giving me the hardest of time. I was so under pressure that I could hardly even pull the trigger I was shaking so badly the pressure and I remember thinking this is abuse and you feel like you want to get up and take the rifle and smack him over the head with the butt of it and say leave me alone I was nearly a wreck but what was he doing if I couldn't handle the pressure under training, he knew that I would never be able to handle the pressure on the front line. In the church, we don't want the pressure. No, any pressure at all. We're like, I take authority for this pressure. Anybody says anything at all, that would be slightly hard, like slightly weighted. <laughs> and that's just the man. We get so irritated with each other. We get so aggravated with each other. We get so annoyed with each other. We get so angry with each other. But yet, in the job that I did, they taught us who the real enemy was. I'm nearly finished. 
I'm sure you're glad you endured it. How many people's glad you did come today? Because you can go and listen to something else. But I can tell you today, this will make a champion out of you. And you will use the Holy Ghost in the inside of you for more than trying to build a name for yourself. And let's together do something truly about this country in the name of Jesus. But you know what happened day after day? I learned on how to process and breathe. I learned how to ride the moment. And instead of me getting offended at my instructor and wanting to really hurt my instructor, I actually had a revelation. This, what I'm talking to you today, was my revelation. This man is actually trying to help me. I know it's hard because we think that everyone that is trying to help us loves us, hugs us, rubs us, gives us everything we want, plays with our tie, <laughs> makes us dinner, bakes us cakes. They're the people that we want, and they're the people that want to help us. They're the people that took me in, gave me a coat, just nice. Now, I believe there's a place for all of that. How many people believe that? I believe there's a place for John to be draped across the master's legs like a blanket. If you know your Bible, you'll know what I'm talking about. But in the book of Daniel, it tells us Daniel made it. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell them I'm going to make it too. And I want you to look at somebody and tell them this country's going to make it. Come on, say it again. This country is going to make it. Lift your hands and say it. I'm going to make it. Come on, say it like you mean it. I am going to make it. So in the name of God, in the name of Jesus, his son, and by the power of the spirit, it is time to put away toys and realize that you weren't given a little potato gun. You were given a bazooka from the hand of God who gave you weapons that work. That when devils show up at your house, you can take them out. That when devils try to hurt you, you can take them out. Look at your neighbor and say, reload in the name of Jesus. This is not the day for you to get down and lick your wounds. This is not the day for you looking for a mamby-pamby. Sissy little church. I just want to sing songs and get a good message. Well, I don't know what's wrong with you. There were good songs today, and this is the best message you've heard ever before. Shut it up. My family's going to make it. Say it again. My family's going to make it. Shut it up. My family's going to make it. Come on, shut it up. My family's going to make it. I told prayer coach this week, I remember cur curling up in my bed at McGilligan Point in Northern Ireland. I was so tired. 
I was so through, I was so done. I didn't want this. I didn't want to be in this job anymore. I didn't want it anymore. I wanted to run home to Karen. I wanted to go to mommy. This was just too hard. I'm sore. I remember getting into bed at two o'clock. I pulled the sheet right up over me, fetal position. You know how that goes. And I knew at any moment they could come through the door and get me back out of my bed to go back out in training. And sure enough, within the hour, banging on our doors, tipping us out of beds and saying, let's go, let's go, let's go. They were just in training. There were many times I thought I would never make it. And that was just in my capacity. But I made it. I remember Rosemary McCauley, a beautiful minister of God. The backside of Slemish, they had a mobile home that was turned into a place to meet. I remember one night being there, I was green as green, as green as a cabbage, just cutting my teeth in the things of God, learning the things of God up a mountain on my own, just every, my world just spinning. Rosemary began to give me a word, and she says, the authority that you have in the natural will be the authority that you have in the spiritual. And basically, you will raise that. You weren't put here to be the casualty. He's not trying to cut your life short. He's trying to keep you here as long as he can because he doesn't need you in heaven yet. At the rapture, it'll be all troops up. Think with me. Think with me. Don't think church. Mamby pamby. Think body of Christ. Think army of the Lord. And the rapture will be come up here. And we will go with him for seven years. What do you think for seven years will happen? I know that we'll eat and we'll do all those wonderful things. But I can tell you we will be in some type of preparation for the millennial reign of Christ. That means everybody will be getting on the same page and we will be getting a brief like we never had a brief that we should have had on the earth in those seven years. How many people understand what I'm talking about? That's exactly how this whole thing is going to play out. And what we don't need now, ladies and gentlemen, is for the church to be running scared and to be getting into despair mode. And then the other side of that is the indifference bunch. We're just indifference and we just love all. You 
we accept everybody. The Lord sent his son that whosoever believes in him, for God so loved the world. It is so important that you understand this, that you are more than a church person, that you are a son I want you to take this scripture down. Put it in your phone. And I want you to study it. Psalms 82. The chapter. And I want you to ask yourself a question. Who is God talking about? He stands in the midst of the Elohim. You are not just believers. You are the literal sons of God. Lift your hands and receive this. The literal sons of God. And he did not leave you here without the power that is reserved for God's. Do you understand me? And it is so important now that you understand this. Because when people are just looking for a good church, they miss it. I could think of a numerous amount of good churches. And when you're looking to be a son of God and the revelation of your purpose and what the journey is and what the path is, you see the two brothers, James and John, you see, they even said, we will partake of your baptism. We will be able to drink of the same cup. And... But they did not understand. And Peter was still intent that I'm not going to let anything happen to him. Sunday message like this ever before. Never. You think that you're under hardship right now? Try Afghanistan. Try Iran. Try the socialist governments of Europe. There's still light in this country. I'm going to say it again. There's still light in this country. But if you're going to fight for a cause, know the cause that you're fighting for. 
answer is not the few years that we have left on this planet. My cause is the cause of the eternal King. Just worship Him with me right now. Pray with me in the Spirit. Why do this if there's not a greater plan? Why volunteer all your time if there's not a greater plan? Why all dress up pretty if there's not more to this whole thing? Please hear my heart. All through the book of Acts, when the church actually got to praying, that's when they saw the power. I'm ready to see that power. And this is a praying church. I'm ready to see this city abandoned. I'm ready to see thousands of the LGBTQ community be swept gloriously into the kingdom of God. I'm ready to see thousands with woke agendas be swept gloriously into the kingdom of God. Leave them alone. They don't understand. They don't know. Stop hating them. They don't know. They're blinded. And we give them good reason to hate us. We scorn them and scoff them. And my God, if we could, we'd rip down every rainbow flag we could ever find as if that would do any good. No, it doesn't. It bolsters and emboldens. How they think, we think. When we started the homeless facility, I gotta let you go home, but when we started the homeless facility in Northern Ireland, it was amazing. Everybody wanted to volunteer. It was a 24 hour day, seven day a week, and everybody's still going today. We still oversee it. I remember in that first two weeks, a young man standing outside the, the front door with a can of beer. And one of the do-gooden Christians came over, smacked the can of beer out of his hand. Said, that's from the devil. I said, you'll never do that again. We didn't come to condemn them. Jesus says, I didn't come to condemn them. That through me, they might be saved. I've had a wild week. Just wild. Yeah, I can see that, Pastor. You took it out on us. 
Now, this is not taking a doubt on anybody, but what I'm asking you is help me. There's so many things that we could say, well, I'm just looking for this and looking for that. But what are you looking for? If we can't do it through this church, which one can't we do it through? got a pastor that's got the green light I'm ready to go let's go I'm just looking for a bunch of people that will go with me I'm not looking to build another alternative to the great churches that are here I love them I love these pastors and I honor them for doing what they do. But I am here for a reason. And if God has brought you to this church, you are here for a reason also.